Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Our world is made up of introverts and extroverts, those who love numbers and those who hate math, comedians and statisticians, those who thrive on adventure and just the thrill of it, and those who would love just to curl up with a book. We are unique and wonderfully made. We can learn a lot about who we are and about ourselves, our uniqueness, as we continue to read through Scripture. In Romans chapter 12, it speaks about our uniqueness as well as our connectedness, beginning reading in verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. We have different gifts according to the grace which is given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, use it to serve others. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We are connected with one another. This image of the body assists us in understanding our connectedness with one another, and especially in Christ in the church. Yet we are by no means clones. We are not carbon copies of one another. Our bodies are made up of of many, many different parts, the head, the heart, the lungs, internal organs, limbs, eyes, ears, tongues, you get it. Many, many parts, but very different functions. And yet they form the one body belonging to all of the others. The different gifts speak about our uniqueness, the spiritual gifts. And as we just read, different gifts are given to each of us. So you can't say that I don't have a gift. You just may not recognize it yet. When we think about spiritual gifts, oftentimes the very, very first ones that we think about that come to our mind are those of teacher, preacher, leader. Those are the ones that we might call more upfront. And indeed, they are vital to the life and the ministry of the church, to our church, to any church. These last several weeks, Pastor Craig has been speaking about the gifts, and several of them already. The perceiver about prophecy. See what is possible, or the the perceiver, those that have the, the gift of prophecy, see what is possible, and they give a vision to what God is doing. And they, they call upon us to participate in God's plan. The perceiver's emphasis is on doing God's will. The server makes sure that everything is ready and that everyone is included. They see what needs to be done and they do it. The server's emphasis is on meeting the practical needs. Last week we talked about the, pre, the teacher, excuse me. And the teacher validates what is happening through stories and teachings of the scripture. They see the truth. 
The teacher's emphasis is on the facts, the contents, and the reasons. Today, we're going to be looking at another of the gifts, one that also is vital to the life and the health of the church, as each one is. And, but this gift is not one of those that is more up front. And in fact, it is very much one that is oftentimes behind the scenes, but no less important. Today, we talk about the encourager, or some scriptures and translations will talk about it is called the exhorter. As the name suggests, this person encourages everyone. They recognize their part of the plan. They see that the personal possibilities, the emphasize is on of, uh, the emphasis of the encourager is on personal application and the value to the community. Webster's Dictionary defines the word encourage as to inspire with courage, spirit, or hope. To attempt to persuade or to spur on or to stimulate, to give help. Many, many times we talk about this individual as one that is coming alongside to aid. Think about for a moment, who are the encouragers in your own life? Who are those individuals that you turn to when you need to be encouraged? Who are those individuals who seem to just to show up when you needed them most, offering a word of hope, an act of kindness, or who just by their very presence you feel inspired, supported, and encouraged? Who are they? Now, think for just a moment. What if they were not a part of your life at all? See what I mean? Why they're so vital to the life and the health of the church, the community, to all of us? We need them. The encourager may very much work behind the scenes, quietly going about, giving that sense of encouragement, building up the body, building up the community of faith. They are, in many, many ways, they are the ones that are foundational. To help illustrate this, let's take a look at Barnabas. We first meet him in the book of Acts, the fourth chapter, verse 36. And then we learn much more about his story as we turn to chapter 11, beginning in verse 22. Let me read some verses to you. Acts 4, 36. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And then Acts 11, 22 following. The news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad. He was encouraged. And he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Now, the background of that story is that news had reached the church in Jerusalem about many, many Greeks who were turning their lives around and who were turning and believing in Jesus. Barnabas was sent from the church in Jerusalem to check it out. Perhaps he even volunteered his services, but his role was to go to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to see what was happening, to verify the news about this new church in Antioch. 
And when he got there and saw what was going on, Barnabas' first response was that he recognized their faith. He was glad. He was excited about what he saw being demonstrated. And he was glad for the growth that he was seeing in these new Christians. Now, I'm sure that he also saw many weaknesses. They probably did things a little bit differently because they were of a different culture than than the church in Jerusalem. They came from a different background, after all. They did it differently. But the faith in the possibilities of God they, that faith enabled Barnabas to look beyond all and any weaknesses that the church of Antioch had. He saw and focused on what God had done and could do in the life of that Antioch church. He focused on the evidence of how they were growing in Christ and how God's love was alive among them. The encouragers take delight in such growth, in the successes of others. They lead through praise, not through fear or intimidation. And Barnabas encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their heart. Encouragers focuses on the working of the people. They are in many ways the builders of people. And just like carpenters are builders of houses. That's a great comparison. Barnabas was sent for a variety of different reasons, but primarily because he was a people person. Encouragers draw others in. Encouragers listen very well in a conversation. They are genuinely interested in you. Encouragers are energized by just by being with people, whether it's one-on-one or in a full group of people. Barnabas came at a time when the church needed him. His primary interest was in people, connecting them with God, with one another, and the tasks that God had for them. Encouraging them to develop their personal ministries. Barnabas' loyalty to God was a major goal, the foundation or the basis of all of his encouragement to others. The result was that a great number of people came to the Lord and the church continued to thrive. Then we see demonstrated in his story a beautiful way of partnering together the gifts of how that body works together with one another. Because you see, as the church grew, Barnabas realized, I need help. Now, back in the Old Testament, if we were to look at Moses, we would see that he tried to do it all himself and nearly burned out in the process. But Barnabas recognized much, much sooner that he needed help to keep the church going forward. He, and indeed, most importantly, the church needed someone who had the gifts and the strengths that would help that church to grow deeper and deeper in discipleship. Looking again at that illustration of the carpenter, remember, some of the carpenters will work on a foundation. Some are the framers. They put up the sides. They put up the beams. Still others work on the roof to make sure that that is secure. And still others are the ones that do the fine-tuning, the finishers. The church needs all of these. And Barnabas recognized where his strengths were and where his weaknesses were. 
Barnabas could have continued to work solo. But to what end? This is not a sign of weakness on his part, but it is a sign of wisdom and a sign of strength. The church needed a strong teacher, different gifts than those of Barnabas, and he knew just that right person. He went in search of Saul. And the scriptures tell us that Barnabas went to Tarsus to look up and look out for Saul or to look for him. And then when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And that together for a full year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught. And great numbers of people again came to Christ. And these disciples are called the first Christians in Antioch. Now, a little bit of a side note here. The trip to Tarsus was only about 100 miles. Today, we can get in our cars and drive a mere two hours, and we're there. We would have been at Saul's doorstep. Or even easier, we could simply pick up our phones, and in a few minutes, or a little bit longer, somebody's not available, we could be in touch with them. And we could ask, we could talk, we could explain our situation, we could talk about what our need is, and we could make that very important ask, will you come? In this case, the ask was that here's the situation. I have these young Christians in Antioch, and they need you, Saul. They need you to come and teach them about Christ. Will you come? That would be how easy it is for us today. But for Barnabas, it was a major undertaking. It took energy. It took time. It took planning. It took expense. Because you see, an average trip of such a nature of 100 miles, one could expect to travel anywhere from 5 to 14 days. And that's just one way. Barnabas needed to make that full round trip. And so it was going to be a minimum of two or even four weeks Now, wow, that is a commitment. How many of us would be willing to drop what we're doing and take off for such a long time? We'd have to think a lot about that. And and it was hard even before COVID even hit. Taking such a journey would have been difficult even before COVID. The time of the investment Just that alone would have had many of us shying away, putting it off until it was a much more convenient time. And thus we learn more about the characteristics of Barnabas and that of the encouragers. He was highly, highly motivated. He realized that the task of the church was so big that he needed capable help. It was too big and too important for him to do it alone. While some, of the, some leaders might be reluctant to accept help of other capable people until they know that it's inevitable, encouragers enlist them. They enlist the help of capable people to join them, to walk alongside them, to be a partner with them. Barnabas demonstrated wisdom and humility. He took the initiative and personally made that long journey in search of Saul. He knew that Saul was highly educated and probably more talented with the gifts needed in Antioch at this time. And yet that didn't put Barnabas off. 
Encouragers know and they recognize that there are others who can do things better than they can. They're not possessive of their status. They're not defensive. They're not trying to prove their own abilities. They want to see and delight in having the church grow and to see others grow. And yet, for Saul, for Barnabas, there was another issue going on. Barnabas was seriously jeopardizing his own position of leadership and prominence. Because you remember, after all, Saul was the one that persecuted Christians, and there were a lot of people in the church that still did not trust him. But Barnabas did. Barnabas did trust Saul and saw or recognized that the gifts in Saul were exactly what this new church needed. If it was going to flourish, if it was going to go, and if it was going to be sustained, but more importantly, if they were going to go deep in Christ and in their faith. In Acts 11, 25 and 26, it tells us that together, Barnabas and Saul stayed teaching for an entire year. Another characteristic of, pers- of, inner, of uh, encouragers is that they use and they urge perseverance. We each face disappointments and discouragement. Life happens. Things don't go the way we had it planned or the way we always want it. Encouragers have a calling to help people stay the course, to abide, to stay in Christ wholeheartedly. And it involves being with people and urging them to persevere, stay put, stay hard when they are in, when they are in a challenging situation and stay and, and hold fast with their whole heart when they might be tempted to compromise or even just to give up, throw up their hands and walk away. At such times, we need others who have weathered the storms and are not surprised by the problems that we ourselves may have. Barnabas came alongside and encouraged perseverance in the people in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And just knowing that an envoy from Jerusalem was happy, that by itself would have been a great deal of encouragement for this new church. But that wasn't enough. Being an encourager is an active ministry, not just a passive one of accepting people saying, oh, you're doing good, just keep it up. Barnabas encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He wasn't happy and wasn't content, or should say, he wasn't content to say, just stay where you are. He wanted to see them thrive. He wanted to see them grow. He wanted to see that by their speech, by their lives, that they were growing in Christ. Encouragers urge others to go on in in the life of faith without giving up. They want people to know and to do their part, and then they will be fully satisfied. They urge people to get involved and to be included and to do it with a purpose, God's purpose. Encouragers see the possibilities, the hopes, the solutions. They energize others. They make success believable 
They make success achievable. Throughout the New Testament, we find that Barnabas is honored, revered, respected, and loved. Now, we have a lot of folks in our church here at Bethany that are encouragers with a capital E. They aren't necessarily the ones that are standing up here every Sunday morning. They are oftentimes much more comfortable working behind the scenes, coming alongside a loved one or a friend during a difficult time, being there to encourage someone who is care, being there to encourage someone who is caring for an, uh, an ailing loved one or at a time of loss quietly sending notes of encouragement, making phone calls, reaching out to others just to check in how they're doing. They offer those simple, kind words of encouragement. They take flowers. They take cookies. They take a meal. Every single act that they do, they encourage someone just by the very fact that someone called and cared about them. Now, this pandemic has made everything a lot harder to navigate for sure. All of us have to stop and think, how can I do this safely so that I am not putting the other person or ourselves or our family at harm? And yet, who of us doesn't need a little or a lot of encouragement these days? The truth is that each and every one of us needs encouragement, and we need encouragers in our lives. We all have our own personality types. The scripture tells us that each one of us has our own spiritual gift as well, our special gifts. For the encourager, these things just come naturally without even thinking about it. They just sort of bubble up from within them. And yet... Each of us is called to step outside of what is easy and comfortable for us at certain times. So that even if a person may not naturally be an encourager or have that spiritual gift, I can and I need to look for ways in my life where I can exercise that trait that is deep within me and practice it and use it and just to see how it goes. My guess is that all of us would gain from a personal benefit when we encourage others. Because by the very nature of encouraging, we are encouraged ourselves. Each of us can be in prayer that God will give you a passion for others. Because the heart of the encourager is the welfare of others. Each of us can pray that God will give you a desire to help people grow. Because again, it is the growth of others that is at the desire and the heart of the encourager. We can pray that God will give you attitudes and words that encourage others. To be all that they can be because of God in them. And when you see somebody else growing in God, rejoice. Rejoice. Be happy. That is the heart of an encourager. Pray with me. Lord God, give us eyes to see and hearts to care. 
and a willingness to be able to reach out and offer encouragement to someone that is near to us, someone in our neighborhood, someone that comes to mind. Keep praying and ask God to reveal someone to you that needs your encouragement today. Amen.